matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Well, hello there and welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything that is on your mind definitely matters to us. That would be me, Dr. Peter Andrew Canada Psych Talk, and my co-host, Todd Miller, who's also my producer. So how are you doing today, Todd? Doing great, doing really well. And yourself? Ah, so, uh, just kind of waiting it out. Uh, winter's almost over. Well, for all intents and purposes, I will be down in Florida next week, folks. So for two, those tuning in regularly, we will not be here. So definitely check us out on podcasts, and I'm sure Todd will have something good, a blast from our past up. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun, though, when, when, we, uh, when we miss a week. It's always fun to go back and say, what haven't we heard in a while and, and spinning? I mean, I know it's always on podcast, but it's still nice to surprise people with a, a newer show on, uh, on air. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, um, we're going to be talking about today. We'll kind of probably hold you over for a week or so, especially for women who have been dumped by other women. And not talking about that in terms of a romantic relationship, but what happens when somebody dumps you, they don't want to be your friend anymore, whether it be in person or on Facebook. How would you take that, Todd? <laughs> uh, as the recipient of that, I, you know, again, I'm um, I'm the kind of person that I, I don't know if I take it personally, but I kind of always wonder what prompted that. Was it something I said? Is it something, a change in direction in our friendship? Um, <clears throat> and then there are times when I've unfriended somebody for a, a very specific reason, you know, whether it's political or personal i've just gone and unfriended them and and i know there are people that go you know what i'm going to unfriend you and they send you a nice note or something but uh, i understand it happens quite a bit what happens though when somebody says okay it's not you it's me don't take it personally well what is the first thing that you do you do take it personally correct of course because something changed either their viewpoint of you changed or something you did made them change their viewpoint so it all really comes back to it's all about me Dr. Sacco, it really is all about me, is it not? Absolutely. You look at it. You, 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 let's put it this way. If you are in high demand, you're, you know, your weight is worth, in, you know, in gold, that you're just irresistible, you're charming, mm -hmm. you're debonair, you're keep intelligent, going, you have absolutely every criteria possibly known to man that God could have made you, you know, perfect. Why would somebody want to get rid of you? Then, however, though, with that said, perhaps the other person might say, hey, I can't measure up to where you're at in your life. Therefore, I'm getting rid of you before you get rid of me. Well, the most recent I can I can think of on Facebook for me was I took a stand against a certain musician who had a certain viewpoint, um, and it was sexist and and not very cool. So I just said, you know what, I don't like this guy anymore, and I went on public record to say that. And then somebody else hijacked this message thread and said, well, what about this other guy who is racist? And I said, you know, we could spend all day, you know, going through who's who in the world and trying to unfriend everybody or or cast a certain light on people. I said, right now, I'm taking. A stand against this one guy who's doing something that I feel not to be cool. So the person that was arguing with me said, whatever, and unfriended me. And I said, oh, no big loss. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, how that happens where, you know, and um, we have Nina Gaby on. She's going to be our guest today. And, you know, we're going to talk about um, what she talks about, which is basically dumped. Uh, she deals with women's issues uh, and dumped as a book with the stories of women unfriending women. So I guess, you know, we can ask her, Todd, and I've talked about this on other radio networks uh, as a guest on shows, as an expert, as well as TV shows. Is it so easy now with Facebook that you can do your dumping cyberly online that it takes kind of like the stigma and the hard part out of doing it face to face or over the phone? You know, it's also um, it's also more instantaneous where in years past where it wasn't so accessible, you know, the status of our friendship, it would require a phone call or a visit or just you would just ignore somebody. And there's a term I don't know if it's in the Amish community where they shun people, but, um, you know, it required some some heavy lifting on your part to make it happen. Now, 
you sit down with one click of a mouse and that person is effectively gone from your digital life. You don't talk to them. You don't see what they're posting anymore. It's pretty quick. You know, and, and the thing is, too, it could happen when you're angry at them. So do you think almost like, and this is kind of like a fun concept, that Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, LinkedIn, all these wonderful websites, which I really do enjoy, uh, when they're used properly and with courteous, uh, courteously, um, do you think they're all, basically, we can look at them as parallel universes to our real lives? Like we have, you know, you have the real Todd Miller who exists in the real world. Then you have Cyber Todd who exists on line um, Facebook, doing your radio stuff. Are there two of you? Would you look at it that way? And so what if somebody unfriends you on line, but they don't unfriend you in the real world? Hmm, I'm trying to think if that's ever happened. I don't know if that... Ha well, I mean, the closest I guess I could think of is is um, a friend stopped responding to my emails and then eventually stopped seeing me in person. He had some issues, and for whatever reason, we decided to part as friends. But uh, that would be awkward. That would really be awkward because it's like they're saying, you know what, I don't really want, to see, want you to see what I'm up to. In the digital world, it's okay that we still chum around and go for a beer once in a while. But you know, when I'm when I'm on my my alternate reality, I don't want to see what you're doing. But for me personally, no. There's there's really no difference between me in person and me online. But but let me ask you, as a psychologist, if that happens to you, where somebody unfriends you electronically, do you analyze it more, having those skills, or do you just you're you're more prepared and equipped to say, eh, no big loss. Uh, generally, for the most part, I would say no biggie because I'm not a big internet person where I spend my whole day. Uh, I don't even spend hours. I would be lucky to spend maybe 15, 20 minutes a day, if that, on Facebook on a good day. I would look at it kind of like this, Todd. Okay, what have I done to offend this person? Um, are they jealous of something that I've done? Do they feel like they're being ignored because I'm speaking to somebody else? And this has happened in the past where a female friend of mine, and it wasn't a romantic relationship by any stretch of the imagination, literally unfriended me on Facebook like three different times. So she would want to be added back, then unfriend me, and then when I finally addressed the situation, she says, well, you don't talk to me on Facebook. And I just thought, you know what, I don't talk to anybody on Facebook because I don't do talk on there, you know, where you can speak, literally send messages back and forth with somebody simultaneously. So I look at it that way, Todd, or the flip side is, if, what are you hiding that you don't want me to see in your dialogues with other people? That could be another possibility. Yeah, I had I had a situation like that, too, with a woman that lived in uh, another part of the country and um, seemed quite insecure because I, I made a post and then some they she and another woman responded. I chose to respond to the other woman's post where I said, oh, thanks for the comments and I appreciate it. And I didn't respond to this woman's post. She took it very personally and then started tearing strips off me about every other post I made. <laughs> and then I was shilling for sponsor. She just went off the deep end. And I said, look, <laughs> I've got to let you go electronically. I'm sorry. You're just uh, just I'm not getting a good feeling about our online friendship here. So I guess this would be a really cool question we can ask Nina as well. What happens if somebody unfriends you on Facebook, then they want to be your friend again, and then they unfriend you again, then they want to be your friend again. How many mulligans do you get or how many shots do you get at it where basically you get voted off the island? I would think there'd need to be, even after the first time if somebody made overtures to come back, I personally would want to have a, a pretty deep discussion about what happened, what went down, what caused the unfriending um, and is that resolved for you, the person that unfriended me? I guess one of the questions to be asked, I guess, with anybody who's using Facebook is, first of all, why are you using it? I think that's the key thing. Generally, it was just a fun way to connect with people generally from our pasts, uh, from high school years, college years, university, families, uh, family people, friends that we had lost you know, association with. And then I think, Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of it now has gone the other route vis-a-vis -vis the professional route. So I think the problem is with it, and I've got 5,000 people almost on my Facebook page, and I'll be brutally honest, majority of people I do not know. Some of them I've connected with, the other, obviously your family and friends. Some of them are, how would we put, outer circle acquaintances, former students, um, 
then people that I've met at uh, Comic-Cons, people have read my books and all that stuff. So, and here in lies the problem, is you get an individual, going back to my original point, what are you using Facebook for? For me, I'm using it for a mishmash of things. I'm using it for both family, friends, acquaintances, and professional reasons. Whereas if you get a person, Todd, that's only strictly using it for intimacy, meaning close family and friends, and you're not giving them enough attention, that could probably really rub the rhubarb the wrong way. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, you're right. I, I've, that's probably what the person was, was referring to because I, I mixed in a business post with a friend post, which is what I'm using Facebook for to connect with distant family members and, and coworkers and friends, but also look for business. And I put a business post out there and she somehow got all bent out of shape that this was against the rules or something of Facebook <laughs> and uh, then just set her off on a variety of other, uh, other things. But, you know, I think that's the thing that, um, I don't think we declare why we use it, and I don't think we need to really tell people why we use it, but I'm sorry if I don't respond to you uh, in a timely manner or as often as you'd like, but life goes on. And then we get into the whole conundrum of uh, years later or whatever, how long it is, months later, do you add your ex, somebody who dumped you or somebody you split up with, and then they send you a Facebook request to add, or do you add somebody to your Facebook page that you've met recently and started dating? then you can kind of see where how people can really start to check you out. Yeah, no, I've had, um, in all honesty, I've had a couple of pings on Facebook from ex-girlfriends, and um, I've left them for a couple of days. And I'm not sending a message, but I've sort of, oh, that's interesting, and then I sort of forget it and go back to my life. And I notice a couple of days later, the friend request has been rescinded. So I guess they got a message saying, I guess he does, he's not interested in being friends, because that could be just awkward. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, as one of my friends, she put it, sometimes individuals will use that as kind of like little creak in the door, like the little mouse trying to get back in your life and strike up a conversation. Yeah. And I, there's nothing wrong with that if you're comfortable with the person. But I think, folks, if it's somebody who has stalked you in the past and caused you a lot of hardship and grief, I don't think it's a good idea. No, absolutely not. So when we return, we're going to have... Nina Gaby, who is the editor and a contributor of Dumped, Stories of Women Unfriending Women. Ooh, and it's coming out next month. Excellent. Well, and we're going to take a very short break, so I advise you to refill your coffee or your beverage of choice, grab a comfy chair and a set of headphones, and join us for more of Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Peter Andrew Sacco, and do you have technological rage? Oh yeah, the new rage of anger. Download my new book today, Technological Rage, on my website, www.petersacco.com, and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today, leading to online dating anger, texting anger, and social online networking forums. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting? Facebooking or online dating, maybe you never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us and more. And by the way, folks, definitely keep the emails coming and the 
messages you got coming to me on Facebook. Absolutely appreciate them. In fact, since I've been a guest on other shows, we we're talking about it before on, should you add somebody back on your Facebook page after they befriended you or unfriended you three, four, five, six, seven times and you become part of their Melrose Place real life drama? How far do you go with that? So with that said, we were teasing you before we went to break. We have Nina Gaby, who is the editor and a contributor of Dumped, Stories of Women Unfriending Women. But before we bring Nina on, she did give us a disclaimer. Guys do this too. So all is fair in love and war. Welcome to the show, Nina. Hi. Thank you for having me. So I guess the wonderful place to go with this, Nina, is what got you intrigued or interested enough into writing a book or contributing to a memoir package of women unfriending women. Why Why would this come out? Is it a fun uh, in jest sort of book or is it a serious book? Basically it helps women uh, learn or people in general to get rid of their friends. Well, you know, this really is um, a serious book. You know, some of the, some of the um, contributors have written, you know, really, you know, difficult stories and stories of disconnection, stories of trauma, the, um, you know, the types of things that for some of them happened to them when they were, were very young and can certainly, you know, be categorized under the idea of, um, you know, having been bullied and, you know, all that that um, can create for someone young when they don't have the resources they don't have the support. They come from, you know, homes that are, you know, are not going to give them the skill sets that they need to get through that. So, you know, some of these stories are, are quite serious. Um, some of them take these serious issues, of course, and make them into um, more humorous events. All of the women who've contributed to the book have gotten through this in some way. So. You know, it's serious, but they can be very funny, and it's, it's tremendous stories of resilience. And that was really one of the things that I was, I was going for. Um, I'm, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and I've been a psychotherapist for, you know, more than a quarter of a decade. And I do work with a lot of women who are traumatized. Um, right now I work in a rehab facility. So 80% of our um, patients in the facility have been suffered some sort of a, a trauma um, connected with their addiction. And I've noticed, you know, you mentioned men, and I've noticed that the men in my treatment group, they tend to be able to engage more quickly, um, you know, kind of on a prefrontal cognitive level while the women's the women don't as quickly. They have a much, much harder time reconnecting, reconnecting in the community, reconnecting in the milieu. And I think a lot of that has to do with earlier issues of, of trauma and disconnection. And I think a lot of the research bears that out as well. I, I have my own hypotheses about how, how men seem to fare a little bit better. Um, they seem to come together and be friendly more quickly. They don't seem to always have the same um, huge cutoffs that women might have. And I think because men are kind of socialized at a very young age to feel as though they're going to be big and strong one day. They're going to be able to, you know, if somebody's done something, something to them, they're going to be big and strong and they're going to be able to take that guy and they're going to be able to, you know, smash their head into the wall or, you know, whatever. And I don't think that we as women still grow up with that same confidence that we are going to be big and strong and powerful and able to take care of ourselves. And that's where the, the differences in how we cope with the horrific disconnection with people that we have trusted. I think that that's kind of the genesis of part of this. So, so what I'm hearing then is there, there seems to be 
a sex issue, a sexist issue, uh, I guess in the way we bring up our girls is that, again, maybe this is this is changing. I know it's changing with me as a father that I'm bringing my daughter up to, to know that there are no boundaries and there's nothing that her gender, uh, there's nothing in her gender that can hold her back from doing anything. It's it's really a matter of, of you know, willpower, positive thinking and, and hard work that will do it and, and some luck. Let's let's be honest sure. there. But um, does your your book talks a little bit about that? But does it give some tools to to sort of help address that and help people be aware of that and also um, mitigate some of those factors? I think the existence of the book in and of itself is a tool. Um, I you know I'm you know I'm also a writer and I I believe um, in the power of narrative. Um, look at how the memoir industry has just exploded. Not only do people find, um, you know, solace and repair in writing the stuff, but people are reading it. People are buying memoir like crazy. And, of course, you know, I, I think women's issues are still very marginalized. I think they're subsumed under things that people feel are maybe more important. I mean, just look at the backlash over Patricia Arquette's speech at the Oscars. Mm. You know, people criticized her for focusing on something that they thought was less important than the other things that we've become extremely focused on, like, you know, you know, race issues and terrorism. And, you know, people really were very negative about her standing up for, you know, the issue of equal pay. You know, your daughter and my daughter you know, they hopefully will not be struggling with this, but I know that my generation, you know, I'm a, I guess, a second-wave feminist. I'm, you know, like, just after the Betty Friedan um, wave. So, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s. So, you know, I, I look back with tremendous heartbreak at the fact that Patricia Arquette had to stand up there and even say that, and that people were actually criticizing her um, you know, for even mentioning that, thinking that other things are so much important. And I really feel that the things that, you know, the women's issues and race issues and all the other things we're going through, you know, are based in the same, you know, in the same problems. You know, it's all about, you know, class, power, privilege, and the immense greed it takes to hold on to those things. I think that's what the terrorists are trying to emulate. You know, they hate the West, but they're, you know, they're asserting themselves in a similar fundamentalist way. And I think it's women who are suffering terribly. So women's voices, whatever, you know, wherever they come from or whatever they may be, are hugely, I think, hugely important, you know, in terms of um, repair. And yes, the essays do, um, you know, do talk about how people you know, got over these things. I mean, one of my favorite little lines in one of the essays um, is by a, a young woman named Julie Vanderkreek. And, you know, she talks about this horrible bullying that she went through when, you know, she was going through so many terrible things in her young life. Her mother had abandoned the family. Her father was a hardworking single dad. Um, they had to move because of economic reasons. And she got tremendously bullied by a group of girls in her new school. And she walked out in the middle of the night and took wire cutters and cut their phone line. And, you know, to me, you know, listening to her story, there are going to be, I'm not saying that people should go out and, you know, do acts of vandalism, but just the fact that some other young woman is going to look at this and go, wow, she got her power on. You know, she, she did this thing. Um, you know, I think that that's going to be, you know, the kind of thing that's going to be really helpful for people. Um, and just listening to other women who, you know, found, kind, kind of found a way of accepting the things that had happened to them. You know, some forgave. I, I don't necessarily feel as though, you know, forgiveness is, um, I mean, it, 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 it isn't part of my story. But, you know, I'm kind of a, a you know, a, a tough cookie, and, and sometimes I just kind of hang on to these things. But, um, you know, many women found ways of forgiving. Others 
just found a way to, to make their way through it, and that is a huge tool as well. You know, they describe mental health as the ability to be able to hold two you know, disparate issues in your head at the same time, like that, you know, you can understand the situation and be able to deal with the situation and at the same time hate the situation, but that you can, you know, still exist in that interface and not, you know, and not crumble from it. So I think that a lot of the themes have to do with acceptance. They also have to do with context and community and, you know, resilience. I keep kind of going back to that idea, but that's one of the things that was incredibly important for me um, to do with this book was to indicate to the readers, you know, there are ways of tapping into your internal strength. One really interesting story that came, you know, that, that comes to mind for me as the book was, had just been printed and, you know, I was looking forward to all these, you know, these things happening, these events, and just having this beautiful book in my hands that I've been working on for years. And um, I had lent, um, Jessica Handler is a, a woman who is a well-known essayist and contributed to the Dumped Collection. And she has written a book called um, Braving the Fire. It's a writing guide to write through grief. And at, in my job, I, I lend that book out frequently to people. And this one extremely, extremely traumatized person who was back in rehab again um, you know, for the umpteenth time. And during her evaluation, she mentioned to me, and I said, well, what do you like to do? What, what, what helps you um, distract yourself from your cravings and from your, your depression? And she said that she, she, she was almost ashamed to tell me that she wrote poetry. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Creativity can save you. And I lent her the book. And she returned it to me the day she was being discharged. And she, you know, she hands me back Jessica's book and, and you know, just throws her arms around me and says, I've started my memoir. It is going to kick ass. And it was like she walked out with this sense of, of empowerment that she certainly hadn't come in with. And I think by telling our stories, that's what we access. So let me ask you this, Nina, then. Um, looking at the situation, because a woman is ending, terminating, whatever you want to call it, the friendship here, the nature of um, basically splitting hairs, everybody going their separate way. So let me look at it this way in terms of if that's the case, it's this is very different from a quote-unquote romantic relationship where basically the end is the end and there's probably less likely ever going to be a reconciliation. Is there the opportunity then? Um, do you think the dynamics are the same? Say that a person is unfriended today, it ends, but is that door open down the road to try to reconcile? Because it is, I guess, different from a romantic relationship. I agree, it's tremendously different from a romantic relationship because romantic relationships, you know, they write rom-coms and we go to see, you know, the movies and it's all over television and there's all sorts of songs and, I mean, romance is big business. And it's not, it's not that way for women's friendships. So, you know, part of the reason that, that I wrote this book was to validate those things because they're huge. But, you know, the, I think the other piece, um, for me, in this process, this process, of course, has been quite profound for me as the person, you know, putting this thing together. And I actually, you know, stopped to look at some of these friendships that had been very meaningful and that had um, ended for a variety of reasons. And one of the major friend friendships that I talk about in, in the book um, there was no per se reconciliation, nor will there be. You know, I mean, I've written about, um, you know, some people that, you know, they're not going to probably enjoy reading this. 
And, you know, they're certainly not going to run over and say, oh, my God, we didn't know you felt that way. How, you know, we feel so bad. That's not going to happen in this particular situation. But one of the people that has been, was like an older sister to me, and um, we, we went our separate ways um, for a number of reasons. There were some, some professional issues, um, certainly. I got married, and it made me less accessible. Um, you know, things like that. But in the course of this book, I decided that I really wanted to reconnect, that it was important for me to test the waters in some of these relationships. And I found out that she's struggling with um, terminal cancer. And reconnecting with her was this incredibly powerful moment. Um, I, you know, I kind of get chills when I think about it because of all that she meant to me and the huge, vast emptiness that her not being in my life anymore um, created, and yet I tried to pretend that it wasn't so. Like, it was like, oh, I don't need, I don't need her, I don't need people, you know, I've got enough friends. And I think, I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, the older I get, the more precious these people become as we start to lose them. So I've had a couple of situations where I've had to plumb very deeply into my own maybe psychopathology or whatever and, you know, think about what these losses really, really mean. And it's been, it's been extremely helpful for me. I'm still not done processing it, but it was, it's been kind of an amazing thing. And maybe I can, um, you know, encourage other people to try to do these things. Certainly, um, I just got an email this morning from another wonderful writer in the book, um, Jennifer Lang, and she had tried to Facebook the woman that she wrote her essay about, and it was very interesting because the woman never did get back to her, which indicates the degree of pain that this woman this other woman had gone through when the relationship fell to pieces. And, um, you know, Jennifer found this morning that her, um, that this friend was no longer even on Facebook as if to really finalize that cutoff. So all these interesting subtexts are coming through from all these writers in, in the book as well. I can't say that you know, finding somebody and reconciling is going to be a wonderful thing or not a wonderful thing, but I think at least opens up the door. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, we've got a couple of minutes before we have to take break, but um, I heard you say something very interesting in there, and then I asked Dr. S- Dr. Sacco this before we, we got you on, on the air, and that was when someone unfriends him, whether it's virtually or in person, does he, as a, as a psychologist, do more deep dives into his own makeup or the situation to determine, did I do something wrong? What, what happened with the situation? And you sort of confirmed that you do. He, he doesn't necessarily, but it was interesting to hear that, that you do. And I tend to do that as well, where I tend to step back from the situation and look at it and say, okay, is it me? Is it us? Is it, is it them? And try and determine if, I guess it's maybe self-awareness where I'm trying to determine, is there something I need to work on or approve on that could repair the situation or make sure that it doesn't happen again? And that's the best that we can hope from, you know, whenever we have a bad thing, you know, and we all have bad things. And I know for me, I can tend to be very reactive and just like, just say, fine, you know, and, and defend against the bad thing. Um, what I'm hoping for is, like you're saying, that, you know, reading other people's experiences and resonating with these experiences that the women write about in this book, that people will be able to say, huh. You know, does that shine a light on this bad thing that happened to me? And will, you know, will hopefully will peace follow from that, regardless of what that peace should look like. The peace could be reconciliation like I had with um, my friend and a couple of others. I mean, that's just one of the stories, but this has caused me to really reflect in the way that you're saying. And I'm hoping, you know, as a therapist, I am so hoping that those are some of the things that might happen as a result of this book. 
excellent point. I, I totally agree. Um, but I, you know, when Todd and I were talking, it was in the context of Facebook, and I've always believed uh, this is just me that I am not going to get upset over somebody who has unfriended me on Facebook or has had an issue with me on Facebook and doesn't say anything because as Todd and I were talking about before Nina, I live my real life in the real world, not the cyber world. So if, <laughs> so if you've got a real problem with me, if we have an issue, let's go old school, baby. Pick up the phone, call me, let's meet face to face because that's how we used to do it back in our day. With that said, so with that said, we have to go to a break and when we come back, Nina, we're going to talk to you uh, more about your book, which is excellent, called Dumped. And also, your perspective, taking it from a man's side. And we'll be right back. Okay, you're, li thanks. you're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. You can find us on the internet at talk-radio.ca. We'll be right back. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestate.com realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with Dr. Peter Sacco on radio that doesn't suck.com and rtds.ca. Well, hello there and welcome back to this February 25th Matters of the Mind where everything on your mind matters to us. And with us today is a great guest, Dumped which is a book about stories of women unfriending women. And we've got the great author and editor of the book, Nina Gabe, who's joining us from Vermont. So, Nina, we've been talking about the whole notion of literally ending friendships, dumping friendships, much like the same way it would be like a romantic relationship. So I guess the issue with this or, or the concept with this, which is a really unique one, is what happens when you end a friendship, you unfriend a woman, or for this fact, a guy unfriending a guy, or a guy unfriending a girlfriend, or a woman, a guy friend, vice versa, that is strictly platonic, and that person keeps coming back and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, can I have another chance? Can we be friends down the road? How do you respond to that? Well, I think, as we always say to people who have been hurt by other people, um, you know, how bad was that infraction of, of trust? 
And, you know, in, in many cases, of course, it was a small thing. Um, and we all go through those small things. And some of us are less resilient to those small things. You know, some of us are very sensitive. And that's when we have to, like we were saying before the break, we have to really, um, you know, do some self-assessment and decide whether or not we're just being hypersensitive. But, you know, if there's, you know, a, a situation where there's toxicity, and by that I mean, you know, uh, people in your life who don't have your best interests at heart, people who are, um, you know, out for some sort of ill gain with you or exploiting you, um, you know, the best thing is to not not continue that relationship. And I think that's across the board. Um, you know, we, we always tell you know, women who are, you know, women and men who are in abusive relationships. And lots of times we hear stories of, of family members who are really trying to reconcile and, you know, how much has that person changed and really what was the nature of what they did to you. I think, um, you know, also trying to understand what is the motive, why, you know, what is the motive and then what do you have to gain? Um, you know, I had, I always have to look at that, um, you know, there was, you know, there have been times, um, even, you know, in the, in making this, making this book project happen where, um, I felt that I needed to rely on people and I felt that they were extremely talented and, and very, very valuable to me, not in an exploitive way, but in a way that, um, you know, that was beneficial to all. And yet, you know, maybe I had some jealousy or maybe I had some, you know, some, some oversensitivity where it would have been easier for me, which is my nature, just to say, fine, and institute the cutoff and walk away. And I really had to learn to do that differently. Um, so it's always, it's always something to really objectively assess. What is this person, what's their role going to be in your life? And is it going to be one of continued pain, or is it going to be one where you're mutually beneficial to the goals that you, know, you have in life? Did you have a like a specific situation in mind that where you could, you know, see where this would be a bigger problem? It, it's funny, <laughs> you know. I guess as, as as humans, a lot of us want to do that introspective deep dive to, to and analyze the situation and figure out what happened to the demise of the relationship. Um, I find it personally easier to speak to a woman where there's been some miscommunication or unfriending that's happened and we, we are able to communicate and, and lay our cards on the table and say, here's what happened from my perspective. Tell me what happened from your perspective. Um, can we repair this or is it best that we just sort of move on? But with another guy... I find generally, and I don't mean to generalize, but generally guys don't like to talk about their feelings or talk about situations that have happened. It's too uncomfortable. So I'm thinking back to a situation where my lifelong best friend and I came to a fork in the road and I very calmly stepped back and said, you know what, I think it's just best if we sort of go our separate ways. Um, I'm sensing something and I'm, I'm getting verbal and visual clues from you that um, you're you're something's happening and you don't want to discuss it. So if we can't talk about it, then we basically just need to go. We need to end our friendship. And it sort of came back to bite me because then he started talking, but it was in an angry way and leaving crappy voicemails and things like that. So it was very strange. Do you, do you see those differences in the sexes and how they're able to communicate? You know, it's, it, it is interesting. You know, I, I think about my husband, who's a family therapist, um, you probably have heard of the old famous psychiatrist, um, Murray Bowen, who in the 70s developed the technique of um, drawing genograms. And there are these fascinating diagrams that kind of sketch out how people are related through birth, death, marriage, and indicate the um, pathologies or like other important life events that can impact families cross-generationally. And so there, some therapists will use these, these diagrams, and um, I use them often with patients who come to me who, 
you know, they'll be they'll be really focused on a workplace situation or a friendship situation, not a family situation. And I'm sure Dollars to Donuts is, you know, the same types of um, diagramming can apply to all of the situations. So I actually have them do a family genogram, and they look for, you know, you know, relationships and, and all these things. But the most profound. Um, is the cutoff, and Murray Bowen is the most famous for that idea of the cutoff. And so, you know, I watch my husband do these family sculptures that he does so beautifully with large groups of, of patients and families. And, you know, where are these cutoffs? And I'm sure he's not going to mind my using him as an example, but he is like the master of the cutoff in his own in his own life. And I just find that for him, it's a very, very easy thing to do. Like, you know, he has his rules. He has his relational rules. And when those rules are broken, you no longer are part of his life. And he, he cuts it off. And, you know, that's that. And also within the context of doing this book, you know, it made me a whole lot, you know, more sensitive and, and softer to all these things. And his brother, my husband's brother, has been trying for years to reconnect with my husband. And I've been kind of the middle person. Everything goes through me. And at the, same, the very same time that I reconnected with the friend who has cancer, um, my husband and his brother reconnected. What was interesting was, here I am, the woman in the situation, my, um, my brother-in-law's daughter, also a woman, and my daughter. We all wanted to talk this to death. Like, what happened? How come this happened? How did they get back to you? You know, like, let's really... And my husband and his brother are like, they, they gave a quick little hug in the parking lot, and it was like, okay. We're back on track, and, and that was that. They just picked it up from where they left off. Yeah, wow. where they picked it up was 20 years ago. And to me, it was, like, so fascinating how easily that happened for them and how the rest of us were still back in the dust, scratching our heads, and I'm crying, and all this stuff is happening, you know, and, and they're just fine now. So I guess looking at it this way, uh, then, Nina, if a... Uh, Let's say something has happened from many, many, many years ago, and I've, you know, we've we've talked about this on our show before, with people who are, you know, with addictions and that stuff. That'll say, hey, when I was really a screwball, when I messed up, uh, twenty years ago, twenty-five years ago, that's when I was using. That's when I had a lot of issues going on in my life. I'm not that same person that I am today, twenty years later. So looking at that then, and I think this is what we're looking at within the context then of a family. You know, family issues, we're inviting somebody back from our family because basically blood is thicker than water. But we've had lifelong friends, so to speak, that are family and sometimes closer than family. Do you find it then, and I guess in this your husband's case, that sometimes 20 years or 15 years, five years, can really set the tone for a new bridge, basically, because we look at it as that's past. I'm not the same person, they're not the same person it was in the past. So now we only have the ability to control and live in this present moment. Do we look at this as a new opportunity? Well, I'm not, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure um, that you are very familiar with, you know, 12-step programs and things like that. And I think that that's like a beautiful template for, you know, you mentioned addictions and how do, you know, how do people work through their steps? And one of the the steps is that huge step of making amends to people for whom it would not be harmful to make an amend to them. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, that um, a person can be very, very different, whether it's due to, you know, drug or alcohol addiction or whatever. You know, people go through huge phases in their lives. And for us to be able to actually look at, you know, who was that person then and who is the person now and, um, you know, is there something that's salvageable in that? In my own situation, you know, what happened to me that actually spurred me to, you know, really put this anthology together um, was the kind of that sad fact that 
no, you know, that wasn't going to happen. I didn't even know what any of us had to make amends for, and it was just a huge acceptance of the fact that, you know, this this wasn't going to change and, and you know given the circumstances it was it was a pretty it was a pretty big deal and you know the writer Anne Lamott she's one of my favorite essayists and you know she on the on the theme of forgiveness she says not forgiving is like taking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die yeah. uh, that was so poignant for me because. I, you know, I just felt like by hanging on to resentments, I was, I went through, you know, a period of time where I felt like, you know, part of me was dying. And then I got my stride back. I got back into, you know, the things that I needed to get back into. And, you know, I, I, I was, I was okay after that. And was able to turn this into something that was hopefully going to be more meaningful for lots of different people. Um, I may have lost track of your original question, but um, I think it was to do with forgiveness and, and how we, you know, how we go about doing that. I, I guess you know it's it's there's a difference I think between forgiveness. Um, you can forgive somebody, but I think also the key thing is you can love somebody from afar, meaning that um, you can even, you know, let the person know that, hey, I forgive you, but it didn't work out before, and unless there really has been great changes, you know, this isn't going to work out again, because possibly I've changed myself, I've evolved, and basically we just don't mesh. Yeah, and accepting that that happens. Yeah, it's it's pretty common for people within partnerships and relationships and friendships to grow at different paces and at different stages in their lives. But my question to you, uh, Nina, would be, why do it? <laughs> Isn't it? I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Isn't it so much work to forgive and to analyze? Wouldn't it be just great if we just say, huh, our, our friendship ended, our relationship ended, you know, I'm on to the next thing. Isn't that isn't that simpler? I mean, for a guy, isn't that just what we should do? I don't, uh, you know, I can't really answer for it. Guy is tr- totally, I can just talk about what I've okay, observed. For, for humans, then, what you've observed. Isn't it easier? Can't we just take the easy path? Well, I don't know. I think it depends on how much that person meant to you. And what are, you know, what are the other circumstances, um, you know, of, you know, of coming back together um, some of the writers, um, you know, like there's a, a wonderful writer in in the book who contributed um, an essay called and, and "How I Lost Her," and it's Anne Hood, and Anne is very well known for her essays in her books. And in her essay, she talks about um, the death, the sudden death of her child, and and her assumption that her best friend from school, who'd been her best friend throughout her life into adulthood, was simply going to be her rock. And I mentioned Jessica Handler before, and Jessica has a similar theme. Jessica um, had two, both of her sisters died. And what I, what I gleaned from these two incredibly powerful essays, these are very skillful writers, that by losing friends, they are also losing what I call kind of the thread of collective memory. Mm. So it's like when a sibling dies and your sibling is the only other person in the world who knew you as a baby or the only other person in the world who remembers your grandparents. And some of these cases, these are profound friendships that, you know, they remember your people that you have lost, and losing that friend also means that you have lost a piece of who of who you you can you can remember that lost other lost person with. And to me, that I can that's kind of pulled my my stomach out a little bit. And like I said before, as we get older, those people become fewer and farther between. So yeah, in my twenties. 
I ran roughshod over everybody. It's like, oh, there's a million wonderful people to be friends with. So you, you know, you and I are going to part ways. No big deal. The path of least resistance was I just went out and found another friend. And there were hundreds of wonderful people around to become friends with. You know, my, I, I had lunch with somebody different every single day. And I mean, my day book was filled up. But now, at six, you know, I'm almost 65, and there's less and less people that, you know, are, are, are to be met, I feel. Um, you know, for instance, right now, one of my very, very closest friends in the world is a 25-year-old man um, because we share the same aesthetics. We, we laugh at the same things. We're very, very silly. We're, you know, and... Um, I'm very lucky to have found that person because there's not that many people to pick and choose from. So, yeah, I agree with you that it's maybe the path of least resistance, but how precious things become um, because of the connections that we originally had or the the lack of a lot of other people around us. So it also boils down to quality versus quantity. Yeah, I I think so. Okay. So... Nina, we're out of time. But oh, my God. We let you go, yeah, we just kind of fly by on the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with that said, Nina, your book is Dumped, Stories of Women Unfriending Women, which is coming out early March. Where can people learn more about it and where can they get it? Well, interestingly enough, Peter, the book has actually shipped out from Amazon earlier than expected, so some people are already getting their pre-orders. There were... I think 600 pre-orders, according to my publisher, which is She Writes Press. Um, And so that was very exciting. And so Amazon, of course, is carrying it, and Barnes & Noble, um, and IndieBound. So those are the three main places. Distribution is with Ingram, and you can find out more about it. My website is www.com. N-I-N-A-G-A-B-Y dot com and um, many of us have authors pages up on Amazon, people who have pieces in the collection so if you go onto Amazon you'll be able to read more about the individual authors, there's 25 amazing writers Um, so people can check it out there and we'll put up a link on our uh, Facebook page and our blog post about a direct link to the book on Amazon. So definitely check it out, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nina. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. You can talk to me. Talk to me. You can talk to me. of wisdom by the gorgeous intelligent stevie next you can talk, talk to, to me, me. <laughs> yeah. perhaps if we talked more to one another we wouldn't be unfriending each other as often as we do yeah i guess you, you said it right todd sometimes it's just a matter of speaking so guys out there i know you have issues with letting out the emotions sometimes and saying what's on your heart but guess what it's the harder of the matter that matters most to all of us because at the end of the day nobody probably is closer than your dearest and nearest friend absolutely and why let time slide by and like nina said her brother and uh you know 20 years had passed before they got back together and that's that's far too long you gotta connect up and and you know friend everybody sooner Thank you so much, folks, for joining us, and stay warm if you're up in our neck of the woods, and we will see you the week after next when I come back from my vacation, and Todd will be away the week after his in a colder place than myself. We're going to take some time off and, and recharge the batteries to bring you more great topics. If you do have a great topic, find us on Facebook at Listen Up Talk Radio, on Twitter at Listen Up Talk, and also you can contact Dr. Sacco at petersacco.com with a show idea or a guest. We'll talk to you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. 
You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at at listenuptalk. We'll catch you next week. You don't need no pills. That man is not your man. And that's why I'm...